And we're back. Kat, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Um, you know, it is... I was about to say it was a sunny day, but, you know... It... It's, it's probably oh, sunny no, at it some point. It's, it's quite late. It was pretty sunny. I don't, I don't know. I, I was working all day today, and when I looked up, despite it being a summer, it was dark. So I was like, I got, I got carried away with the project today. So I have... So I guess, in theory, it was a good day, because I, I managed to get myself lost... Lost in a project, which is always a nice thing these days, because I, I so rarely get to code, and I managed to carve a bit of time out to do a little bit of programming. So, yeah, so I'm feeling good. It's, you know, it's, it's it's and it's recording night, so how could it be bad? I get to talk to you. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Um, I've, yeah, it's been, it's been very busy. I think life is very crazy at the moment, and it's very easy to sometimes get caught up in obviously working from home and, and COVID. And I realized I hadn't left my flat for like 13 days and it was really impacting my mental health. So, you know, I'm, I've, I've booked a week off. I'm going to try and recoup and, and get back to it. But, you know, it's just so important to, to listen to your body and, and watch out for those signs and, and make sure, you know, you're getting fresh air, you're looking after your body, you're doing, you know, with some sort of exercise. And I, I think that's why it's nice that it's, we're in the summertime. I think one of my real like mental health struggles, certainly pre like the change of um, the clocks, was that my waking hours was, and my working hours were so tight into daylight hours. So after work, there was no outside because it was pitch black and it was kind of cold. So you get this very insular, because when you live alone, it's like this very sort of lockdown, this, you know, on top of lockdown, but this sort of kind of, I'm stuck here. And now you've got those, this lighter evenings, lighter weather, I can leave the house, it's not going to rain, it's not cold. So it's it feels so much more freeing, even just like looking out during the day and go, it's a lovely day outside, it'll probably stay that way until like, I go for a walk. I get to look forward to the evenings now, whereas I think over winter, was really sort of depressing because you couldn't look forward to after work in a way because it's like it'll be dark, might rain, be chilly. But now it's like you look out the window, it's sunny weather. You go, oh, after work, it'll be lovely. I can go for a walk. And you know, I, I'm just really enjoying that sort of pick me up, that sort of boost of energy that I get from not being stuck inside all the time. That's awesome. I think a lot of people are realizing that you know, mental health has really, really impacted us. Um, and just being locked inside and sometimes not feeling that like you can go out or get some time to get some pressure. And now that the the weather's getting nice, people are getting getting the opportunity to do that with the longer days. And I think that's so important. So definitely take some time out, guys. Um, and look after your body. Listen to it. And, and don't be afraid to say, I'm not okay. Um, I, I think, uh, and especially because... We've gone through such a weird period over the last God knows how many months of trying to balance the stress of working at home and being and being seen as available and productive against your sort of natural inclinations of go oh I don't feel very well and it's very easy when when faced with that choice of do I want to get up at six get on a train, get dressed, put on makeup, have a shower, go on the tube, get to work, versus 
all I'm at home I can struggle through. You know, I can I can work in the dressing gown, I can work in bed with my laptop. That that sort of separation, that sort of clear cut choice of am I good enough to go to work as such it is blurred and I think that like juggling that has become a lot harder. Exactly. Um which brings us on to a topic. So I am a huge Simon Sinek or Sinek follower. For those of you who don't know him, he's a huge um, leadership influencer. So he does a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. He does a lot of talks. He was the author of, you know, Starting with the Why. Um, and I watched one of his recent um, sort of sessions where he was talking about obviously how we're slowly coming out of this lockdown and companies uh, and organizations are looking to to start encouraging employees to, to have that balance of, you know, going back into the office slowly. Um, but they also understand that not everyone is, is going to want to come back into an office. And something he said really resonated with me. Most people, most organizations going into lockdown um, had already sort of, you know, majority of the, the people who were within those businesses had either, had met each other face to face, had worked with each other. So as much as, you know, the struggle of being online and not seeing people um, face-to-face was tough, those relationships had already been built, right? So you've still got the strong connections. So when you're trying to get your point across, so when you're delivering something, etc., when you're having those conversations that you do at work, you have those relationships, you have that trust because you've, you have that face-to-face memory of that person. But actually going into the new world will end up in a position where majority of organizations... Um, We'll have employees who've never met each other, who are just virtual visions and building those softer skills, building that trust, which comes from that face to face interaction, that understanding someone's body language, etc. can never really be fully replicated through a screen. And I thought that was a really interesting topic, Kat. So I'd love to kind of engage with you on it. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, part of my response is I'm going to sound like a terrible Luddite. I don't think you'll ever replicate it. So, relating my sort of pre-lockdown, like, historic experiences of work, uh, you go back in my career, I was working a lot uh, in a UK-based company for a US-based company, and it was shocking how the relationship, the working relationship between me and those people in the US changed when I spent a week in the US. Like, it was night and day. Like, all of a sudden you've gone from almost adversarial, why are they such a pain in the butt, to, oh yeah, we've had lunch, we've had dinner, I've been out, I've met their families, we've done this thing, we've had a few drinks. Uh, I understand where they're coming from. It was literally night and day to a relationship. And I, I don't, think and I think it's always tempting to try and sort of couch modernity in a way that makes it seem like it is the be all and all. But I think ultimately as a as a species we are social and there's only so much remote working will replace and those relationships can only be forged by experience. And you you could have some shared experiences over Skype or Slack or Zoom, but ultimately you've, you've got to meet people 
you know what I mean? Clearly, it's a new normal. I think supporting more flexible working is nothing but a good. I, I completely... Um, I don't sympathise, because uh, that's that, that sort of a trite way of putting it, but like a, a lot of the sort of disability advocates are angry about lockdown because for so long, so many industries would turn around and say, no, no, remote working is impossible. Like We can't make these accommodations for people. Only to find when forced, when push came to shove. Of course they could. So there's a sort of, I, I get that sort of, there's, a, there's an anger there and a sort of resentment of going, why couldn't you do that for us? And I completely understand that. And I think there's a lot to be said and a lot to explore in that space of making work possible for people who need to be remote much, much, much more than it's what was considered normal in the, in the past. Yeah. But putting that aside, I think relationships, we're human, and relationships are formed by meeting people and spending time together. And it's really interesting because, I mean, I... For, for those of you who, who don't know, so Kat and I spend a lot of our sort of, you know, prior to COVID, at least um, I, 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 at least three months good prior to COVID, you know, we were seeing each other every day. We were working together. And I think that really helped. Yes, it I mean, helped. To get, to, inside baseball, Amara and I may or may not work for the same company at some point in the past. <laughs> and um, I think it really helped because then when we moved on to this sort of online well, then we started talking about not just work, we, we started spending a lot more time talking about our passions, etc. You know, that's really where, where Queens of the Tech Age came out of it. And I, tr- and I do truly believe that having had that face-to-face interaction and built that relationship already prior to going into lockdown, made, you know, is, is, where, is where we are now, where I, I speak to so many um, people who are, who've started new roles in lockdown or, you know, never got to go to the offices, etc., and it's it's strange because you know even they say like they 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 think the dynamic when they meet me will be will be slightly different and not in a, I'm not saying always in a negative way but the relationships that you think you've built with people that you've not met um, will be slightly different to, when you meet them um, hopefully they'll still be positive. Well, I think, um, so I think there's an interesting thing, isn't there? Like I hope in sort of living memory that we don't have to go through this again. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. So, but but that said, I think there's there's an interesting, and, and I think we like Queen. This podcast, our relationship is a fascinating example of an emerging property of lockdown of, of this event. Had this event not happened, had we not all been forced into isolation, working remotely, like like social creatures like reaching out to form something would this have happened would we have got so close and like in terms of friendship maybe maybe not i don't know it, it, you can't replay the past but it's tempting to try and build the future on something that was a one-off event and I, that's one of the things i worry about I, I i completely think that we should make accommodation for people who want to and need to work remotely especially if they cannot get into places because of whatever limitations they have in certain spheres but i don't think we should draw 100 percent 
analogies from the past from what can work in the future because I think a lot of what has worked over the past year and a half has been born of we've got to make it work exactly and I think with with companies now obviously going to have these flexible policies of not everyone needs to be in the office and you can choose to you know select where your primary work location is so your home can be your primary work location um, I think there'll be a lot more it'll be interesting to see how companies try and solve this predicament of building those relationships and that trust when you've not necessarily met each other and I think it's not a, a case of having to see each other all the time but having that initial face-to-face -face interaction or at least having met someone once um, does build a level of trust because you can you get to understand the, the 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 little nuances that you can only pick up really when someone's in front of you their body language how they you know the non-verbal communications etc things like that you can't really pick up pick up on 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 zoom calls etc and especially because not everyone feels comfortable being on camera as well um and i think that i think that's super important i think there's there's a difference between FaceTime and quality time. And I think what we've been missing in lockdown is quality time. Like, I can spend hours on a Zoom call with somebody and never meet them because they have their work face on, they're in their work mode. But quality time, like, whether that's half an hour at the end of over lunch to have a chat about their family, whether it's an off-site to have a few beers, it's the quality time that builds a team. It's not, as, you know, as you said, it's not so much the homeworking, it's not so much that constant face-to-face, -face, but it is the ability to know someone and get to know them. And I think that's what's been lacking of anyone, anyone who's joined a team. And, and like, companies have tried so hard, like who I work for has tried so hard to, to, to bridge that gap, to really address that barrier and like that's such a great thing to work for anybody who's tried to do that and maintain that sort of experience but nothing's going to compete with yeah i spent a friday night with that person we got drunk we talked rubbish and now i get them like and, and i think that's the it's quality time not FaceTime that we need to in in the new normal whatever that looks like i think we need to value because You'll always have FaceTime with people in your job, but it's how you carve out quality time with them aside from work that makes you effective. Exactly, and I, I think for me it's always important having those water cooler conversations, you know? You're walking past someone going into a meeting room, you're going into you know, your work kitchen and you end up speaking to someone from a different department. And those for me are like the really valuable interactions because you might see your day-to-day -day team all the time, right? So you're not losing out on, on that, but all of the other valuable conversations, you know, cross-functionally across other teams that now you, unless you, you know, have a reason to, to need, you know, person X, it, we've lost. Whereas before you didn't need to have a reason or a, a, or a comment or a discussion because you just bump into them and say hello and, and start asking each other about how the day is and that natural conversation will flow. Um, so we'll, especially as obviously I run an operations team for us, we're always looking at so what can we do? What what is uh, what are the you know tools? What are the things we can engage to try and bridge that gap? 
And some of it is not going to be solved by technology. I think there's always only a certain amount that technology can try and do to bridge those gaps. Other things are going to be, you know, the expectations of of when you want to bring people together and how often, um, you know, I always say brainstorming, white, you know, whiteboarding. It's so much quicker and faster when it's people in a room and you can just, you know, someone draw something and you can walk over and just add extra things to it. And, all, and that conversation is so, so valuable and quick. And I've yet to find a tool. I think uh, there's what, like, you know, a couple of tools which, which kind of get close to it, but that allows you to do that without having, you know, someone to stop sharing or someone else does it, etc. Or you're both working on different copies online and you can see each other's things moving, but it, it's still not as 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 um as close to that and I think those are the bits that going into this I mean, world the, is, is go, going to be important as, as operations experts to think about oh yeah I mean the thing I worry about or not not, not so much worry about but the thing I'm cognizant of is is how we're going to deal with overload going back to work so like over the last year and a half, we've we've sort of learned to deal with the, the the cognitive load of working at home, working alone, people on screen. Like the overload, like I I can only imagine now, and I think people talk about this. Like you read about brain fog and and like lack of stimulation and sort of shriveled people's attention spans. Like I am genuinely worried about how am I going to deal with getting up walking out of the house, walking to the train, dealing with people on the platform and the trains and getting on the train and getting to London and, and dealing with the tube and, and you know, it's the tube at Russia, it's going to, you know, the central like Russia, like, trust me, it's not fun. <laughs> uh, and then, but that, that, that level of input, uh, it, that overwhelming level of input that stimulates your brain has been, has been absent for so long like going back into it's going to be like jumping into the middle of a storm and, and the sea is is these crashing waves and you're just going to be buffered about and I, it, like you know we'll, we'll readapt it's not like this is the end of the world and we cannot get out of it but it's going to be difficult and i think we have to as as leaders as women in tech have to acknowledge that it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all and some people are going to really struggle with it, I, I genuinely think I'm going to struggle because, like, my my existence in the last year, year and a half has been very shrunk, and I've got used to it. And I remember the first time I went into London for work, it was a lot because you've got so much to remember, so much to do, uh, all the things you take for granted after like you know ten years ago. Well, I know what trains go from this station. I just wandered to this platform. All of that's going to go out the window. You have to go, you're going to have to learn all that again and learn those reflex things that you used to know just to get to the office. So by the time you got to the office at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, you're going to be knackered, and then you've got to work. And it's it's going to be difficult. And I think as as leaders, as women take. It's on us to support our people coming back and make them feel like, yeah, this is difficult. And you feeling it's difficult, you're not stupid. Because that, like, that's my innate fear. Like, as a as a woman, it's like, I can't express this because people are going to look at me and point and go, well, that's stupid. Of course you should, you know, it's like that sort of stiff upper lip man thing. That, like, 
you can't have feelings about a thing because it's, it's dumb. Like, no, no, these are valid fears. These are valid like, emotions. It is a lot. We understand. We're here. Like, don't, you know, ultimately, you've got to get over it, but, like, we'll support you in that transitional period. And it's just that empathy as a leader, I think, is going to be so important going back to work. And also, and honestly, I, I, I truly believe this, and, I, and, I'd, and I'd love to hear if people don't, but... Not you shouldn't have to get over it. We are as human beings. We are, we are different, and everyone has, uh, you know, different fears and different things that, that. And and if someone ever like, I'm terrified of spiders. I'm I'm terrified. This is going to sound really strange, guys. So I I don't like stairs which have gaps in them. Um, especially going up them, it's it's far worse than coming down. And then a few years ago, I I fell down some stairs, and I've built this phobia in me where. I can I can go up the stairs fine, but I can't I can't climb down downstairs. If I go to some major tube stations and you know the the escalators are not working and there's no elevators, I I have to then leave that station and walk and find the next nearest station um, mm. that that basically has a working because I can't and I once did try and do this and all these people were behind me kind of like getting really frustrated because. I was walking really slowly. I felt dizzy. I was holding onto the handrail, but then my hands were sweating. And it's not a case of I need to get over it. It's something that is it's a fear and, and, and I, I have. So uh, what I'm going to say to people is do what feels right for you and your company, your organization, and especially with COVID and the pandemic, it's so important that they care. And if they don't care, if then you know what? You're probably better off somewhere else. Um, the world has changed. What people want in an employee has changed. Mental health, having that ability to feel like you can talk about your emotions, you can talk about your feelings, and not feeling like you have to pretend to be someone is so important. And I think that's the biggest thing I'm kind of taking away from this, which is if I'm having a bad day or if I'm having a tough day or I'm feeling emotional, that's not a negative thing. Um, it's okay to have those emotions. And we need to change that sort of historical notion of, or, you know, you have to be tough. Oh, God, yes. you... I think I think the important thing to realise is it's not a man's world. The, the song is wrong. It's not a man's world. This is an egalitarian world for all genders and there is no right way to be. There is no... As long as you can add value... Okay, I, I, you know, hashtag capitalism, whatever, but as long as you can add value, as long as you can bring something like accommodations will be made can be made will gladly be made we're all in this together like we want everybody wants this to be successful for everybody so yeah I, I, and, I and for I once I'm gonna be <laughs> I know I'm not only the PC one <laughs> I'm, I'm generally going to say if you're a leader you're a manager and you're listening to this and you don't fundamentally agree with what we're saying then you probably are not a good leader or a manager. And I'm going <gasps> to put it out there. If you're someone who doesn't believe in, in giving your employees a safe space to, to be vulnerable, who expects everyone to just get on with it, and you know, I, I'm going to use that controversial term, man up, then you know what? You're not a good manager. You're not a good leader. And I really, really hope that at some point someone comes in and removes you from that because... 
what we need in this, especially going into this new world, is empathetic leaders, people who want to bring the best out of people, and that can only come from when you allow people to uniquely and truly be themselves. So, rather than man up, you know my expression, you've got to put your big girl pants on. It's big girl pants time. Oh, I hate the term man up, I was using it as a... But I know, like, but you know, either you've got to step your pussy up, and that's probably a bit rude, but big girl pants time. It's always big girl pants time. Put your big girl pants on. My big girl pants are not sexy, but uh, they do well for work. The sexy pants come out at the weekend. You know, people who want to buy me dinner, hashtag just saying. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to say, Cat, <laughs> always a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. So, if people do want to send us some... She says that through gritted teeth over that last comment. Like, oh, audience, listeners. She's like, why did she have to send that? <laughs> oh, God. Um, for anybody who would love to send us their views, their feedback, or just tell us, you know what? I think you're wrong. Where can they find us, Kat? If, if, if our audience think we are full of, uh, of feces, they can find us at some other address but if you love us you can totally find us at queens of the tech age that's queens otth at twitter.com uh, on the twitters i think i personally am at uh caitlin underscore f underscore baker where you can talk to me about everything from warhammer miniatures to women in tech to god isn't the patriarchy awful because the answer to that question is yes yes it is Amara, where can people find you? When I'm not chasing after my Korean BTS dream, you can find me on Twitter, Amara underscore BTS. And you can find me, Amara God. underscore Queens OTTA on Instagram. I forgot to bring that up. I can't believe I forgot to bring up the other number one K-pop fan. For anyone who, anyone who doesn't know, um, I love Korean drama. And I was actually um, the original BTS before BTS became a thing, before they became this like huge phenomenon. Phenomena? Phenomena? You know what I mean, guys. Phenomena. Like, you, you know for a fact that I will, like, bring this up until... Either A, they go out of fashion, or you change your Twitter handle. Until that time, you will always be my number one cable Never fan. changing my Twitter handle. I'm one of those, if then I commit... You, will, you are going to die the number one K-pop fan. That, that is true. That is true. But just don't ask me what BTS stands for. Um, no, I... Between the sheets? I really hope not, because there's like seven or eight of them, so I'm like... I, I, well, look, you know, you'd be sore they, afterwards. What they want to do... I, I, was, I was referring to them. What they want to do in their own time, more power to them. And on that note, I'm going to say, guys, thank you so much for listening again. We really do appreciate your your enthusiasm and, and for still, you know, being with us on this journey. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks everybody, it's been a pleasure. Bye Kat.